BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and The Crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. To another edition of the Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews. Presented by IV Creative, it's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and riding solo again, but shout out once again to all of the audience out there, all the fans for continuing to push the numbers up there. I want to give a special shout out to my listeners overseas in Slovakia. Definitely Slovakia is doing some numbers as we've seen from our podcast host on Red Circle. Also on Audio Mac, continual shout out to Nigeria, Ghana, as well as Tanzania over there on the continent, as well as South Africa. Guys, continue to spread the word out there to your hip-hop loving friends, especially those of y'all who love the hip-hop from the 90s and early 2000s. We definitely try to cover the bases here at the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. We do it here all for you. And of course, a reminder for you to check out our website, vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. You can go there, check out the website, look at the past episodes. Also check out some of the guest pages there. We have a page for all of our guests. We're updating the past guests that we've had on the show and getting profiles for all of them there. We hope that you go check that out. And while you're there, leave us a voice note or go ahead and leave a review of your own. We definitely appreciate all of our fans and want to hear more from you. And as well, you can find our social media pages there on vaultclassicpod.com. As we always say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics or MBTC. And today we're going to go back 20 years ago. And we're going to go back to the major label debut studio album of none other than hip hop duo Clips, Lord Willing. Released on August 20th, 2002 on Star Trek and Arista Records. It was recorded between 2001 and 2002 with a runtime of 60 minutes and 48 seconds. The producers on this, one name and one name only. The Neptunes, the producing duo of none other than Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo. The catalyst for bringing the clips into the hip-hop consciousness. Singles from Lord Willing include the following. The classic single Grinding, released May 14, 2002. When's the Last Time, released July 30th, 2002. 
Ma, I Don't Love Her, released December 3rd, 2002, and Cot Damn or Hot Damn, released April 29, 2003. Now, a little bit of background of those for who are not familiar with the clips in their journey. Obviously, the clips, the duo who are from Virginia Beach, Virginia, none other than Gene, then known as Malice, now known as No Malice, Thornton, and his brother, Terrence Pusha T. Thornton, they were from Virginia Beach, Virginia, were affiliated heavily with Pharrell. They were signed as an act to Electra Records with the Pharrell's help in 1996. Now, they originally released their debut studio album on Electra named Exclusive Audio Footage in 1999. But unfortunately, the album was shelved when their promo single, The Funeral, flopped and didn't catch any success on the charts. And then eventually they were dropped from the label. But in 2001, Pharrell signed them to Arista under his new label imprint, Star Trek, that he started with Chad Hugo. This gave them the opportunity to work with Pharrell and the Neptunes, who at that time were the hottest producers in the game. Commercially, they had much success with acts such as Jay-Z and Talese, and it also had work with Noriega, among many other artists during that time, in between the late 90s into the 2000s. Pusha T and Malice used what was at in the time of their youth and adolescence what their main style was, was basically talking about selling drugs to frame the main theme in their raps, what we now know as Coke rap. Now, it was something that was definitely not new in hip hop. This had been present in hip hop as early as we would say, some say in the late 1980s, but definitely prevalent as you went into the 90s, to most notably the mid 90s, which it really caught on hold and would continue into the 2000s. But they were one of the few in this new era of hip hop heading into the 2000s that would bring this version of coke rap and then many afterwards would follow after them now they weren't obviously the ones who invented it or the ones who helped to popularize it in the mainstream but they are the ones that i think definitely got it in front of a bigger commercial audience than i think anyone else due to the success of that single grinding here we are faced with a very talented duo two MCs that were really talented. They had a unique story to tell. They were with the hottest producers in the game who had their own label up and they were ready to make their mark on the industry. And now we're going to go ahead and get into it. First thoughts and reflections. As I mentioned during the summer of 02 episode, where I talked about the biggest songs and the biggest artists during that summer 20 years ago, which I thought was an epic summer for music. When I first heard of the clips was of course, when the single grinding came out and it dropped that summer. And as I said then, and I'll say it again now, it was all over the place. And when I was heading back to college, you would know what songs were hot by what was coming by the cars passing through the streets that either ran adjacent to or through campus as you walked around or walked to and from class or kind of just walked around the campus going from building to building. And you could hear it by either hearing the drums or the bass line or that fake melody that you would hear from those vehicles that would let you know what those songs were. And one of those songs among many coming out of those vehicles as we returned to campus for the fall semester was definitely grinding. Those drums would be something that would alert you off the break. It's the drums and the percussion on there would let you know exactly what song it was that they were listening to in that car. And that was just one of the many songs that we heard coming out of cars during that fall. But that one was definitely one of the leading ones as we were sort of moving in to the dorms and getting ready to go to class and going to class during the start of that semester. That was a big one. The album comes out and I hadn't gotten it when I moved into my apartment during that, which would be the beginning of my junior year that year. So I went on one of those P2P networks. I can't remember whether it was Kazaa. Uh, Song Spy had been shut down by now. So I think I maybe went to maybe Audio Galaxy or another one like that. 
to go get the album. Now, this is the file sharing era. And those of you who listen to the episode guest spot I did with 12 Cow, you'll know that file sharing was in full effect during that time. A lot of times we didn't go to the record store or to the music store to go get music unless we really wanted it. We downloaded it. After a day of downloading, and it took a whole day for me to download all the tracks on the album, I looked up a track listing on the internet and then the order, and then I rearranged them. I put it into one amp and started playing. Now off the break, the production sets me off. And as I also said during that Summer of 02 episode, is that the Neptunes, and most notably Pharrell as an act and sort of like a front face, was the hottest producers out there in the game at that time. This was his time period. But the beats were a little different than what you heard from Jay-Z or what you heard from Khalees or what they did with Noriega and many others they worked for during that particular time in the 90s, mystical. It was different. The energy was different. And I think what was different about it is that the fact that Neptunes had a personal relationship with Pusha T and Malice so the synergy all the way down from the song concepts onto the beats was on a whole nother level. Now, rapping wise, it was something that I could dig or something that I could enjoy being like 20 and 21 years old. It took a while for me when first listening to it to differentiate between their voices because to me, they sounded so similar and I needed to figure out who it was that was rapping at what particular time. But as I listened to the album more and more and I watched videos and interviews, I got used to knowing who it was that was rapping and being able to tell them apart. Now, both the contrast and the complimenting that their styles gave each other, you could hear even back then, like what kind of excellence that Pusha T was on. Like that really was the foundation of what we would come to know him now, even 20 years later, releasing now this latest album that he put out. He's been on the same thing since then. He was this person that everyone sort of highlighted even back then, but people shouldn't sleep on Malice. And he provided, I would say, just as strong as an effort in this as his brother did. The end result was that you had a rap group that would have two members that sounded very similar eerily, but then also were very different as well. Now, Pusha has always been the same. He has been consistent throughout these 10 or 15 to 20 years that he's been doing it. Now he's been a solo artist solidly, I want to say now, for almost about, I would say, 12 to 15 years now ever since the clips dropped their last album in 2009, he's going to do the same thing. I remember that I read somewhere on Twitter where somebody said, if Pusha ain't doing coke rap, then I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so that's what Pusha has been. Pusha has had the role as the unforgiven hustler. Like he knows what the game is and he continues to push, so to speak, no matter what the circumstances, you get the product, you sell it, you re up, repeat, <laughs> but malice, even back then you could hear in some of his rhymes, that sort of the reluctancy that he had in the lifestyle. Like you could hear in some of these lyrics that he was doing this game, but it was doing it more so out of a need of necessity, more so than doing it because he loved the lifestyle. With Pusha, you could sort of see that Pusha was in the lifestyle. He loved it. Malice was sort of like, uh, you know, for him stylistically, it was a viewpoint of, I know what the end result of this life is on my people and the people who are closest around me and what it could lead to. But this is the job that somebody's got to do. So if someone has to do it, it might as well be me because as he stated in one of his lyrics, as long as there's demand, I'll supply. But you could hear though that there was definitely a tug with him internally. And when he decided to stop going by Malice and went to no Malice, when he delved deeper into Christianity and decided he wasn't going to do coke rap anymore, it really wasn't a surprise to many people who were of the know or for those who were paying attention due to the fact of what we were seeing stylistically in his rhymes. 
Now, overall, coke rap is something that I find entertaining for the most part. I know that there are people that have their detractors and those who are saying that it's not a positive influence. But to me, I would say for entertainment sakes, it is very entertaining. And hearing it from them, from the clips, was somewhat compelling, all because of their styles and how they told the stories. And you could tell that it wasn't all just with them, just about coke rap, especially on this album in Lord Willing. Now, if they were going to be involved with Pharrell, you knew they were going to have club hits. I mean, Grinded was a huge hit, but then even once the last time was something that is now their longest and biggest charting hit to date as a group. Because a lot of people will point to think that Grinding is the big hit, but no, when's the last time is actually the one that is the biggest one. Now, surprisingly though, Pusha has said that even though he knows that song is their biggest hit of their career chart-wise, he says that he hates it. <laughs> he doesn't like doing the song anymore. And many people have said, and some of the shows that they did more recently when they performed as a group, did that song disappear from their set list completely, which is crazy. They also had like, you know, girl-oriented songs and when's the last time sort of had something to do with that. And then also the other song that we'll talk about, which is Ma, I Don't Love Her, which featured Faith, definitely had that element of it as well. But they showed that they could have success with those type of songs. But in the streets, that's what their subject matter that resonated with their fans. And that was what their wheelhouse was. Highlights and lowlights. My highlights and going through the track list, it's, I'm a little bit divided on a part of the album and sort of split in regards to where I think as far as where the highlights are, then where I think things start to, I don't want to say tail off, but definitely to a point where I feel like there are some things that weren't executed as well. Now the highlights as well for me grinding. I mean, there's nothing else to say about that. I said as much as I could about it in the introduction of this and as well on my summer of 02 episode, just an epic, epic hip hop song when you talk about a debut for to have a song out there to put a group out, that's about as big a song as you possibly can get. A song that the drums on there are still iconic when it comes to hip-hop freestyle ciphers. A song that even Pusha T said that when he wrote the verse for it, it took a while for him to find the pocket of it so that he could write his rhymes and he threw away his rhymes and scratched them out and started his verses all over and over again and he finally got it right. Grinding definitely a highlight. Virginia, which is a song that is an album song I like to call but it's a track that I think has gained a popularity based on the fact of what the song's about. It's about Virginia. They're from Virginia Beach, the 757, a.k.a. the Tidewater area. We know about that now, like how many hip-hop acts have come out of there that rep the 757. And this is a song that I have to even say, I was a little bit jealous listening to this because I live in the DMV, and the DMV-considered areas, most people will put that part of Virginia in the DMV and also include Richmond. But to me, it isn't part of DMV. I consider the Richmond area to be a area within itself in that metro area. And then I definitely consider the 757 of having their own identity and culture. Like without a doubt, knowing people that I went to school with having frat brothers and people that I know that are from down there, they have their own style. Like they definitely have their own style separate from those of us up in the DC metro area, which is what the DMV is Northern Virginia ruling that being that part, which a lot of people in Virginia says isn't really Virginia at all. If you talk to the people from outside of that area, but I was a little jealous. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Virginia was a hot-ass theme. It's a place that if you're from Virginia, a lot of people I know who are actually from there point to that as one of their anthems that reps their state, especially in a state that doesn't really have a lot of anthems out there like Texas or cities like Houston and New York and L.A., no, this definitely is something that if you're from Virginia, you'd be, you'd be proud about if you're a fan of hip-hop. When's the last time? Again, their highest charting single. This is definitely, though, a club joint. I know the pusher says he doesn't like it, but this is a party song, and it is, I think, a great song to put in your set list. This is one of those songs not really rap related, but when they talk about women in the club and what's getting ready to go down, this is definitely something where I felt like they stepped outside of that coat rap element and definitely did their thing. I loved Cot Damn or what they called and eventually named Hot Damn. I love that beat. That to me is one of my favorite. I say two or three beats on there. A lot of people think that the Neptunes have a certain sound with their beats. This is the one where I felt like they kind of stepped outside of that. I would say futuristic vibe and went more so the traditional route. I love this beat and I love this song too. A lot of folks don't really like Ma I Don't Love Her. But I actually like it because, like I said, they're also stepping outside of that, you know, hood, hustle and coke rap mentality. And you do have a change up. And it's a message in a song that a lot of guys will say and repeat when it comes to stuff when they're women, when they're trying to explain them cheating. It's like, yeah, I did all this, but I don't love her. <laughs> so, you know, and it had a little bit of success on the charts. But, you know, I think it's a decent song. And my favorite song on this album is probably Comedy Central featuring Fabulous. Man. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is crazy, man. All you hear is no hook. It's just nothing but fab, malice, and push on here. Just great rhymes. Like the all the verses on here definitely meet the, the occasion. In particular, Fab's guest verse on here when he is killing every single feature that he's on. And he was he was one of the most sought after features in regards to when it comes to remixes or like he was definitely killing it back then when it came to features. But then Malice's verse on here as well is one of the few times that I think that when you talk about a spotlight on him, this is one of those moments where I think he had a spotlight. And of course, you know, Push did his thing on here as well. Now to talk about a little bit of the lowlights, and it pains me a little bit to go this route, but I would have to say there is a moment when you get and listen to this album that there are some songs that you listen to and you're wondering, okay, I don't understand where this is going. And so these are the moments where I felt like that when listening to this album 20 years later and getting ready to do this review. Now, obviously, Gangsta Lean is not a favorite of mine. <laughs> I just, I'm not a fan of the way that the song sounds, especially even with Pharrell. Now, mostly with Pharrell on hooks, I feel like he's magic on hooks most of the time. I don't like this at all. Ego is another one. It's a, a track that I get the idea of what they were trying to do. But again, another hook. It's just like, mm, I could have done without this. Let's talk about it with Jermaine Dupree. I mean, let's... <laughs> like when it comes to JD on tracks, I feel better with him. If he's going to play the Diddy role where he plays hype band and sort of introduces things like he's a great producer. I feel like, you know, he has some cachet in the music industry, but him rapping on tracks, I've never been a fan of. And I feel like kind of putting him and the clips together was a weird combination in the first place. That song is not a song that, I feel like I can't even make it through that song on the way before I skip it, <laughs> to be quite honest. And then surprisingly, a song that I'm not really that into is I'm Not Into You. 
and that's featuring Jada Kiss, Styles P, and Roscoe P. Cold Chain. I, I just, you know, I expected better of a song featuring two of the members of the Locks and the Clips. And I felt like I didn't have that magic that I was I was expecting on that song. And I think I maybe even felt that way listening to it even back then all that time. I don't think that it's bad. I just think that I was disappointed because I was expecting more. And so when I hear that, and even now when I hear it now, I'm just like, yo, I know all four of these guys can do much better than what they've done now. And considering that this was them at their quote unquote heights, I mean, Styles just came out with Gangster and the Gentleman. Jada had put out his solo LP and then the clips were putting out their debut. I would have expected something a little bit better. Now, the two grinding remixes on here, I mean, the regular one with Birdman, Wayne and Nori. I mean, it's cool. I'm fine with that. I'm actually even cool with the Selector remix. That's with the reggae artist with Sean Paul Bless and then Cardinal Fishow. But, you know, that's cool. I love it because I'm a reggae fan. I can see how many people wouldn't necessarily like it. But the other songs on here, I'm kind of indifferent about, you know, I mean, the intro and young boy is kind of OK. The family freestyle featuring family. I mean, I mean, that's cool. I mean, that's all right. But the low lights on here, though, those four tracks, I'm just like, mm, that kind of drags the album down a little bit to me because I think. Those highlights and really the overall cohesion of those tracks all put together definitely make for a great base of the album. I just feel as though the lowlights kind of drag it down a little bit. And that to me is disappointing. Notable quotables. So my notable quotable is actually from Comedy Central. And I mentioned this about Malice's verse on there, the first verse. I felt if no other track on here would highlight the potential that you had with Malice and what he could do, it was this track right here. Say, dog, let's not get involved. You don't want to tango. I'll dress you in the halo. Cock the gauge, polka dot your braids, face you in the chrome fold that'll lock your legs, and you can't move. I roll big and I can't lose. They watch so hard, ain't nothing I do that ain't news. I carry it like a stranger to the game. I cut short and he whispered that endanger my name. I'm a toast on both coasts, not for a joke. I'm known in the streets on the account I know coke. And we got word that the cops watch us, but that don't stop us. We maneuver, move a little more cautious. I hate to think that the dope game is my calling because it got us singing lullabies to our fallen. Good night, friend, until we meet again. But for now, in your name, re-re-up and eat again. I never front like something that I'm not. Or being broke, well, that's just something that I'm not. Y'all talk with hatred, but I live off that. And I've lived off cocaine way before I lived off rap. Feel me, friend, if they could, they'd kill me, friend, because I weigh too much, learn not to say too much. They couldn't take me in the CL, that's way too much, and if I'm gone, y'all niggas can talk on. Like, <laughs> the words in there and the context of this verse is just crazy. You know, the fact that he talks about, you know, I'm a toast on both coasts, not for a joke, and I'm known in the streets on the account I know Coke. And then he also says that I hate to think that the dope game is my calling, Cause it got us singing lullabies to our fallen. Like that's wild. This is part of the contrast we talked about with malice that takes you from malice to no malice, like not wanting to do this Coke game anymore. Like this isn't just the first example as well with malice having lyrics in his verses where he definitely sounds a little bit hella hesitant and reluctant to be able to feel like this is what life is going to be for him. So that's one of the more compelling things I think about Malice. While everyone will book up Pusha with good reason, Malice to me definitely, I think, gets overshadowed. 
and deserves his flowers, especially for the work that he did on this album and also on the next joint on Hell Hath No Fury. Final verdict. So my final verdict is, is that I understand the allure that people have with this album. And I know that people regard it, especially considering that this was the start of something that would become something great over the next few years. But to me, overall, I would have to say if I had to rate it, I would say this is a classic and it's time. And my classic rating, I would have to give it, I would say would have to be a seven out of 10. Overall, to me, the album, when it dropped, was hit driven by the singles. Like Virginia is definitely a memorable album cut that lots of people will point to. However, 20 years later, listening to it, it just doesn't strike me as something that's quite the classic that many are making it out to be. Now, Grinding, without a shadow of a doubt, is a single that is a hip-hop classic. When's the Last Time is a memorable one, their most successful one, even if Pusher himself hates it. But overall, I think the album was just a little inconsistent. Now, my overall rating, if I had to give it a rating from 1 to 10, would be about a 7.5 to an 8 out of 10. It's a good album. If there were mics, I would probably top this out of giving it a 4 mic rating. It's a good album. Actually, borders on a very good album, probably even bordering on great. I think the production and the highs compensate for the lows that I mentioned, but to me, I think the lows can't be ignored because the potential of this album was great. And I felt like we were on the road to being in classic material, but I think that when it comes to quality, that's what I think sort of takes the balance out and makes it to the point where it's just a very good to maybe great album, but not classic. I think that the influence of it, definitely, when you look at what would follow later on in that era of hip-hop into the aughts later on in the 2000s, that there were many people that were starting to really jump on that version of coke rap, like especially when you would see what happened when the game shifted to the south, like further to the south, like Atlanta and New Orleans, you definitely saw the influence of that later on. And you see it now, even 20 years later, what has happened. Influence-wise, I definitely think that this is classic-worthy. But it's a, it's a very good album, bordering on great. I think that we would see them put it together truly by the time that Hell Hath No Fury comes out four years later. And at that time, I think that's really where their legacy as a group lies, is in that album. But Lord willing by the clips, y'all, make sure y'all go check it out. 20 years old this past week. Make sure y'all go look it up. Go to get it on streaming. Also, if you can pick up that vinyl, I know there's some 20th anniversary vinyl that has come out. I looked online a few places out of stock. But make sure you go pick that up, man. And let's continue the conversation on social media. What do y'all think about it? Do you think that this is possibly a classic album? Do you think that it's probably just below that? What's your standing after 20 years later of listening to Lord Willem by the clips? What do you think about it? Holla at us. Hit us up on social media. You know where to find us. And let's have a conversation about it. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show, check out our past episodes, join our mailing list, leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. 
We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.